Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for October 16th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. On Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore for free horse racing picks at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. And for fantasy football at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy. Can we believe it's the middle of October? I mean, just crazy stuff going on in the sports world. We got NBA starting, NHL, college football, NFL, NASCAR, horse racing, UFC. You name it, we have it. We have a great show today. Sterling from Silver Star Sports is coming on. We're going to talk NBA. We're going to go Eastern Conference, Western Conference. We're going to give our rankings out for every single team. Then we're going to give our, our... awards rookie of the year coach of the year award mvp then after that my boy gino the roles are a little reversed usually i go on his show this week he's coming on my show he's going to talk fantasy football some sleepers for dfs and as always brandon comes on and he's going to be giving out some nascar plays and nascar bets so let's jump right right into it the first thing we always do is we always talk a little Thursday night football. Wow, what a game. What a cover. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Nick Sirianni is so far over his head, it's comical. They don't run the ball enough. Miles Sanders isn't getting enough touches. He got a little run, like three plays in a row in the third quarter, and they're actually moving the ball. When Sanders touches the ball, good things happen. They need to be able to get Miles Sanders the ball more. Once Miles Sanders gets the ball more, the ball will be able to move more. Sirianni has never called plays before in the NFL and it shows. Guys, everyone bitches and whines, oh, I could be doing this. I should be calling plays. No one knows how tough it is to call plays in the NFL. No one gets it. No one understands it. And Sirianni's not an idiot. He's been around the NFL for a while. And the fact that he is struggling so hard to do all this stuff just speaks volumes how hard it actually is at the top of the food chain, the hardest level, to call plays and be effective calling plays. He needs help. He should have brought someone in that could mentor him. He's try he's just he's he's got he's just so far over his head. It's it's fucking comical. Um, kicking myself for not using the Buccaneers in Survivor, but you know, it's just I really thought the Eagles may have be able to win the game. They covered, which was good for us. They got the under, which was good for us. Almost up forty year on the season. I believe it's thirty eight. U. I mean, we're just fucking killing it. Really seeing NFL well this week. Um. And then another thing that's coming up is, A, this whole, I'm not going to talk in the Gruden thing. I think that is awful. There's no place for that. And I'm just going to say it. The fact that he was comfortable enough to say that in an email says he's comfortable enough to talk like that and he thinks that. So that's all you need to know about that. And I think Gruden is a piece of shit. I said it. I don't care. Um, Marlon Mack, he was getting a lot of run in the Ravens game versus the Colts. Colts, I kind of felt, were featuring him to the Ravens. Um, And then it came out that the Kansas City Chiefs were interested in trading for him. What? Is he going to play defense? This Chiefs team is just such a defensive nightmare. It is just fucking comical. 
how bad they are defensively. Um, I just, yeah, I that trade makes zero fucking sense to me at all. I don't think they should do it. I think they need to show up their defensive end. They need to get anything they can defensively going. That is the Chiefs. Um, so that really didn't make sense for me. But back to the Thursday night game. Brady's Brady. Uh, Fournette looked great. Got me 26 points in season long, which really helped. We whiffed on our Thursday night player of the day in the slowdown slate. Again, I just thought because how the Bucks are so bad against defending the pass, I really thought it was going to be a feature of the feature Miles Sanders game. I really thought that. A little disappointed they didn't use him a little bit more. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. My mistake, guys. I will do better. And then in terms of Eagles futures they're done they're not making the playoffs but the funny thing is they could have three first round picks eagles legitimately could have three first round picks which is comical to me um that they could be in that good of a position jalen hurts doug gottlieb doug gottlieb is has anyone noticed doug gottlieb's trying to turn himself into who's the loser over outkick the coverage or whatever it's called has everyone noticed that he's trying to outkick whatever it is with Whatever the guy's loser boy who thought Marcus Mariota was going to be the second coming of Joe Montana. Um, I forget his name, but whatever. Awful gambler, awful person. Um, Clay Travis, I think that's his name. Um, he's trying to be him with his uh, outlavish takes. And now he's bragging how he said Jalen Hurts wasn't an NFL quarterback. Dude, no one in their fucking mind said that he was a quarterback in the NFL. So I don't know. Whatever ganja you're smoking, you need to pass it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my thoughts of the Thursday night game. But guys, we got a loaded show today, so we are going to jump right into it. With the NBA season right around the corner starting this Tuesday, which is so hard to believe, I invited back one of the original guests to the podcast Sterling Silver Star Sparts to talk a little NBA. Sterling, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. It's a sports lover's paradise. Hockey just started the other day. Uh, we got baseball's playoffs going on. The NFL season is in full swing. And then we got the NBA, my favorite, coming up on Tuesday. So October, I'm doing great. Yeah, October is such, such an underrated month of the year man and you know just so much action going on plus college football ufc breeders cup horse racing is right around the corner i i I love it um so obviously the big talk in the nba is this whole kyrie irving situation now we it wouldn't be an nba preview if we didn't touch on it so why don't you tell everybody a how you think this is going to play out yeah, there's a lot to unpack here with this Kyrie situation. Um, how I think it's going to play out. So originally, if you would have asked me about a week ago, I would have thought he would have played the whatever 41 games he was going to play, you know, and then just sit out the home games. But since the Nets released a statement recently that they want him to be a full participant or not play at all, I can see him just sitting out the year because I don't see Kyrie itching to get the vaccine um, I don't think he's itching to play basketball. So I can just see him sitting out the year. And then I see the Nets, as a result, struggling to win the NBA championship. And obviously, if they fail to 
when they have a championship, people are going to be looking at Kyrie for for not getting the vaccine. And I think Kyrie ultimately he's going to retire way before anyone thinks. Um, he's shown time and time again in his career he's not a fan necessarily of the game. Sometimes um, he's very about other things. He's very vocal about other things. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kyrie retires next year, especially after the media comes after him for not getting the vaccine. Now. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but I want to, like, I have season to the, tickets to the Bucks. Saw Kyrie, and um, I, it was when he played for Boston. And uh, he so he takes the ball from the ref. You know, like, before the game, like, all the players, like, check the ball, bounce the ball a little bit. He took the ball, and right in the middle of the arena just starts dribbling as fast as I've ever seen anyone dribbling. Like, he was just trying to show off for, like, the 22,000 people there and everyone who was playing in the game. It was, like, the coolest, but the weirdest experience I've ever had at a basketball game. I mean, it was, like, and, like, everyone's just, like, what the hell is going on? But this is pretty effing cool right now. I wish I would have been videotaping it, but it was uh, it was pretty insane to see. Um, yeah, I really... I think they got to trade him, dude. To just be honest with you, I think he gets moved. I don't know. Do you know if he has a no uh, a no trade clause? I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know offhand, but um, I'm sure the Nets are looking into like trading him. I, I mean, know Katie's probably against that, but you got to trade him. You got to get recruit some value for him. Because I'll be honest, like you look at their roster, I do think it's better than last year's, but I don't think they. I don't think they have enough right now, and. Like, did you see the? Uh, have you watched any of the Bucks preseason games this year? Not yet, dude. Giannis is hitting jump shots, like legitimate. No, like, I've seen a couple clips of that. Actually. Like, yes. if they need all systems go, if Giannis is going to be able to drive and hit jump shots, I mean, that's that's just insane. If that's legitimately what's going to be happening, they need all systems go. So I don't know. I could see him get traded, maybe to like a team in Texas. I don't think the Spurs will go for him because Popovich is quite. Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Stern, that people have the vaccine. But I could see him going to, like, the Mavericks. But I don't know if him and Luka could co- coexist. That would be the ultimate thing. Yeah, it's so interesting because we're right at the start of the season. So, like, what trade package are they going to find for him? Um, so, do you think that the Nets handled it correctly, though? Like, if you were the Nets front office, would you have him play half the games? Or would you have him sit out? I would want him on the court, man. I mean, I just feel like a you just I would want him on the court to be honest with you. I'd want him on the court because I feel eventually stuff is going to get worked out where he is going to be able to play. But I just feel that you'd want him on the court so that way you know the camaraderie is there and that way there is some you know what I mean, some flow of the game. And also, if you have him. Then you can like rest a Harden or what rest a uh, Durant. You know what I mean? Like you can rest those guys on the road while the, while Irving can play. I mean, I totally would have played. What what would you have him do? I would have done the same thing. I would have played him because having three of the greatest like offensive players of all time on the same court like um, that just makes you more unbeatable than you already are. Um, but I do understand what they're like looking for um, and why they made that decision. Um, it's going to mess with, like, Javon Carter, and I'm, I'm blanking on the other backup point guard's name. Um, but they're not going to be able to get a rhythm if Kyrie's coming in and out of the lineup. And if Kyrie's, like, here for five games, and he's off two games, and he's off for another four games. 
Kyrie's going to feel like they aren't supporting him. And I feel like Kyrie needs that support from his organization. Now, do you think with them just saying, hey, we're not doing anything to, you all, to your all-in, do you think that kind of hints that there's a underlining situation between him and the organization? I think so. I think um, it will be interesting because isn't James Harden like not under contract next year? Correct. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting year for sure. And like, I'll give like here's the thing, and I caught I don't know like I don't know how much you're on Twitter, but uh, me and this guy were kind of going back and forth a little bit. I, like, I do you remember when the Heat wouldn't trade like you mentioned Jay, James Harden wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for James fucking Harden? Do you That's remember? Crazy. Yeah, he fans <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, some he some guy got pissed at me on Twitter yesterday because I said Ty, Tyler Hero is Luke Kennard. Uh, am I wrong? Like, legitimately, like you look at their work of basketball. Am I wrong? You know what I mean? Like, basically, a role player off the bench that can hit a three. You yeah, know? Did you, did you hear Tyler Hero's comments recently? No, no. Was it about an Instagram model he got pregnant? No, surprisingly not. It was about um, he said he considers himself with the Lucas, the Trays, the Jaws of this of the of this world and stuff like that. And people were clowning him on Twitter. You, you got you got to look at the comments. It's just comical. I'm about to check that out because there's no that guy in my eyes is so overrated, and I'm just not sipping the Kool Aid and that. Let's kind of talk about a couple. Let's kind of talk about the Miami Heat now. You know, one of the they're better than last year, but in terms of name recognition, but I don't think they're going to do much better than last year's team. I, I still think this is like a fourth, fifth, like type seed, maybe even a sixth seed in the East. I really don't think a they have enough to win a championship. What about you? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like the Nets, with their dysfunction right now, it might come back to hurt them. If they get off to a slow start or say Katie gets injured, there's no more Kyrie to um, mitigate that loss. So I have them a second right now. All right. So you mentioned your Eastern standings. Let's go. Let, let, let's go through those. Who do you have won? Milwaukee. All right. Now, they lost P.J. Tucker, which I think is going to hurt. They brought in... Um, Rodney Hood, which I think will help uh, defensively. What do you think they have? They can repeat or not? I think they can, especially if Giannis is hitting jump shots. They're going to be that much more dangerous. Um, I think that they're hungry for more. Giannis has shown he's been a great leader in the past. I think he's going to push his guys to be the best that they can. Especially if stuff is going on in Brooklyn, they're the team to beat out of the East. And I mean, like, I kind of feel like a proud uncle, dude. Like, I've watched that kid grow up with my season tickets to the Bucks, dude. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you know, like, you you become invested with, like, a person when you, like, basically are around them and have zero contact with them as much as I, like, going to games and everything, which is kind of, which is kind of weird and crazy. Um, I think for them, the big thing is it's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Coach Bud to manage Middleton and Holiday's minutes just because they did have that deep 
playoff run, obviously, by winning it all, then those two just flew right over to Tokyo for the Olympics. So I think managing those guys' minutes to make sure they're fresh is going to be huge just because they're going to need those guys to repeat. But I, I, I could totally see them repeating with Giannis doing what he's doing. Um, two of the Heat, we went over them. Who's three? Um, I have Brooklyn as three. Okay. Yeah, Brooklyn as two in the center. Um, yeah, I have Brooklyn as two, correct. Okay. Now, number four. Number, number four, I'm assuming the Detroit Pistons? <laughs> maybe 14. <laughs> I'm, I'm clouding I'm, I'm clouding you man okay who do you guys number four actually I have the Boston Celtics I mean I know they didn't do a whole lot this offseason they had a Dennis Schroeder um, brought back Al Horford I think they're kind of flying under the radar because of how disappointing that they were last year I think Atlanta has like a lot of high expectations to manage after their deep playoff run last year I think the Bulls I think people need to slow down a little bit on the hype and see how it all works together first the Sixers have too many issues going on. I think the Celtics might be able to steal like home court advantage. Yeah, the, the Celtics maybe there just to kind of, you know, sneak in and do, you know what I mean? Just take advantage of other people's dis- dysfunctionality, which basically they had last year. My thing with the Celtics is, um, like, Tatum and Brown, when teams run two at them, they never hit the guy in the right spot. And yeah, they definitely need to develop their playmaking. They just, you know what I mean. There's, that's the thing that's missing from them. Um, I love Marcus Smart, but the guy's a bonehead. Like he's suspended for the game today because he missed a flight. How do you miss a flight? You know what I mean. Like I, I don't think I've ever missed a flight because I showed up late ever. You know what I mean. Like and like you're a professional athlete. Like he's he he's got a little maturing to do. Um, Al Hortford, I think he fits in great, like you said. You know, the fourth option, you know, not going to be relied on for anything. And I kind of think for Schroeder, this is kind of the right place. You know what I mean? Like, He's also got something to prove after how much he like left on the table. So. Oh, for sure. And I think as crazy as it sounds with Kemba and his knee and everything, I think he's a slight little upgrade over Kemba. Because he could never do back-to-back, so I think you're going to get someone who's in there regularly, which is going to be huge for him. Uh, what, who's next on your docket? Uh, at five, I got the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I still like this Hawks team. I think that they were a year ahead of where they should have been um, last year, and so now I think they have to manage those expectations. And was, I'm not to say that they can't do it again. I just think teams might adjust and figure them out a little bit better. I don't know where the next step is for this team. Like, I don't know if one of those young guys is going to show a massive development this year or not. You know, so I think it's waiting on those young guys to grow. Uh, which they, I'm not entirely sure. They just kind of have a log jam. I think they need to move somebody because they got Reddish, Herder, um, DeAndre Hunter. They drafted Jalen Johnson. It's like they, they have all these wing players. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like they need to add a little bit of depth at the uh, power forward and center position it was as we've talked about before. You know what I mean? I just feel like they just don't have enough bigs. I, I feel Capella isn't – they need one more guy besides Capella is basically my point. So who were your four and five? Um, my four and five – where is it right here? Let me pull it right up. Um, I'm high on this Pacers team. I don't know why I am, but they just kind of seem to be that team – 
that's always kind of there, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, they're going to get Warren back. I, I like, um, Car- um, oh, my God, I'm spacing the coach's name. The guy, I, I love that guy as a coach. I think they're going to be, um, be the five. So, I mean, I got one, one, I went Bucks. Two, I got, um, the Nets. Three, I actually have the Celtics. I'm high on them, like you are. Four, I got the Pacers. And then five, I've got the Heat. And then. So no Hawks yet on yours. Hawks are six on mine. Okay. Pacers, we'll talk about the Pacers for a little bit. I actually have them as low as 10 because I feel like. Carlisle needs to do some retooling. I feel like this Pacers team is kind of stale. Like they definitely have good players, and I felt that they've had good players for the past few years, but it just never seems to come together um, as well as it should. And I'm sure Carlisle can unlock like some potential out of them, but I just feel like they need something fresh, need something new. And um, I don't know if Carlisle is going to bring that this season, so. I want to see how he reworks the roster first before that they, they do something. I have them attempt. I wouldn't be super surprised if they make the playoffs. Now, who do you have as seventh? As set, or so six, I got the Bulls. Seven, okay. I have the Sixers. I've been falling hard. Okay. See, I got the Sixers all the way down at seventh, dude. <laughs> like, I am just. Like you're gonna think I'm crazy, man. But I mean, I oh, no, I said I said Bulls six, seventy uh, six or seven. So. Oh, so we both have the seventy sixers in the seventh position. Now let me. Now I was talking to Shay, who's come on this podcast a couple times, and she brought up a very interesting trade. Now tell me what you think of this, um, Kyrie for Simmons, straight up. Yeah. I've- I've been hearing that rumor floating around. And honestly, it makes so much sense the more that it goes on. Like, at first, I rejected the idea entirely. But, I mean, for the next part portion, like, it makes sense. They need some more defensive stability, which Simmons will clearly bring. And then for the Sixers, they've been dying for a point guard who can space the floor for years. So it just makes a ton of sense. But I just don't see it actually happening because, I don't know, maybe it doesn't work like that all the time, so. Now, okay, I just, I just don't like either player to be honest with you. I, I don't, I, I, I think for Simmons, at the end of the day, he needs to go to a play like hypothetically, if he went to Portland, and it was Dame, CJ, and him, I think it would work. But he needs to go to a place where he's like a Draymond Green, like the number three. You know, what I mean, if he goes there, I think it will be fine. But if he goes anywhere where he has to be the one or the two. It's it's awful. It, it's just awful. Um. So now, this is when we get grimy. The shitty teams in the NBA. This is this is my forte. Shitty teams in the NBA. All right, eight. Who you got? Eight. I got the Knicks. I mean, they're still a solid team all the way around. Um. Yeah, they'll still be fighting around that play in play player in the playing range. So. Now, don't you think, though, that, how can I say this? It's kind of been played, though. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, everyone, like, everyone, like, they kind of, like, caught everyone by surprise. You know what I mean? Now they're going to come back yeah, crashing to reality. Them, like, in the four or five range, like they were last year. I think eight is fine for them. Yeah, I just, I just feel like, you know, been here, done that. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I, I just think they're just going to fall a little bit. I actually have the Knicks at 11th, dude. I have them out of the playoffs. Um, who do you have? So that was that was your eighth, the Knicks, right? Yeah. All right. I actually went with the Wizards. I kind of, I think this team is going to be sneakily improved. Um, you know, with Kuzma, um, Holiday, and um, C, 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 KCP around Bradley Beal. Uh, getting the center um, from Indiana, Thomas Byron back. Byron, is that his name? Um, right. Yeah. Getting him back. I think this team is going to be sneaky. I think they're going to compete. I think they can get it into the playing game for sure. So I definitely like this Wizards team at eight. Really? I'm very low on the Wizards. I just feel like, look, what are they doing? They're still wasting Bradley Bill's prime. This random assortment of players that they've gotten. I think their roster is going to do anything. I think their roster is better than, next, than last year is. And I think, I think the East there's like two. I think there's a real good team in the Bucks, a good team, a real good team in the next if Ty- Kyrie's there, and then after that you just have a teams with a lot of question marks, like a lot of question. You know what I mean? Where we can just you and I can just sit here and just we can just nitpick every single one of these teams to death. And yeah, I was doing my standings too. I felt that way because it was just like I could look at the potential for this one team, but they have glaring question marks for each of their everything else. So I completely agree. With you. I just, you know what I mean? Like I just think that if there's going to be a team besides the Pistons, we'll get to them shortly. Um, that could just come out of the blue. I think it could be the this Wizards team. Um, so who do you have as nine? Nine have the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. Um, I I've seen like them as like a deep as a sleeper and have like a five or six seed in like a lot of previews I've looked at. I just don't see it. I think they're way too young. Uh, they got a lot of stuff to issue out or iron out. I'm not too thrilled about the Hornets. I mean, they're a couple years away from really doing anything. So. See, the thing is with me is Ball has never won at any level. The old, actually, I take that back. When he was like the youngest brother on that Chino Highs team, they won a championship there. But that was all the older brother, Lonzo, that was leading that team. When he's been the quote unquote man at Chino, the AAU teams, the prep school in Ohio, the pro team, where it was it, in Belarus, even in the, what was that league his dad started? Like his team, his teams never win anything. Yeah, he's flashy. But he just, you know what I mean? Like, my dad has a saying that he says winners win. This guy hasn't won shit. And I just, you know what I mean? Like, like he's like a Baker Mayfield in my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, But you know what I mean? Like, someone that's good but just doesn't win. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or, like, you, you know? No, I get what you're saying. Like, he just, he's just not a winner in my eyes. And I just mean, I mean that in, like, being able to, like, win, compete, when the game's on the line, we saw in the playing game, I mean, he played awful in that game against the Pacers. Like, he looked scared with the ball. Like, he didn't even want it in his hands. So, 
I have this team all the way down at 12. Um, so the Hornets were your ninth seed, right? Yeah, and then I had the Pacers 10 because I was lower than that. So my ninth seed, uh, and you're saying you're, you're going to say I'm a fucking homer, and you know what? Maybe I am. I love this. I, I, the Pistons, dude. The players make their biggest jump, okay, from year from year one to year two. That's when the biggest jump happens. You have three prime rotational guys in Stewart, Bay, and Haynes, which I which we're gonna see that jump. I guarantee from Stewart. I guarantee from Bay. Haynes has been playing overseas, you know, so I really and he was hurt last year, so he, we may not see that jump. Okay, that's fine. I think Kate Cunningham is a generational talent. I think he's gonna elevate everybody. I think Bay is a sneaky player who's gonna be the potential, like his ceiling in my eyes is Chris Middleton. Okay. I'm not saying he's going to be Middleton next year, but I'm like for his career path. I think this team and they compete every single night, even when they sucked last year and you have a young team and you get them to compete every single night, they're going to be able to win those Wednesday night random games in Orlando or Cleveland or wherever the hell they are. Sacramento. I think this team is going to be able to compete. I think they're going to be able to get into the playing tournament. I have them at nine. Okay. I'd say for my non-Pistons fan eyes, the Pistons, that's just relying on like a lot of growth from young players. And they kind of remind me of like the Panthers this year. Like you're, you're relying on a bunch of things to come together all at the same time, you know, for them to really compete or like be within the play and and for Cade Cunningham, like, I think he's a very good player. But for some reason, I just have this hunch that he's going to go down with, like, a knock um, in the middle of the season. Uh, they'll look at it, and then they might shut him down. Like, so I don't think he'll win Rookie of the Year or anything like that. Because I just feel like he'll, he'll be like, all right, it's a long game. Um, let me just take care of my body if he gets injured at all. And that can derail the Pistons season. Um, so... I don't know. I have them as low as 14. I understand the upside, but not ready for it yet. No. Okay. Now, what about the um, 10th? Who, 10th, who do you have? 10th, I have the Pacers. 11th, I have the Toronto Raptors. All right. So, I mean, I have 10th Bulls. I mean, it's, dude, it's great here in Chicago, man. This time of year, dude, like fucking. <laughs> Blackhawks are winning the, the Stanley Cup. Bulls are going to win the NBA Finals. And Justin Fields is leading them to the Super Bowl. I mean, like, the right, I can tell you right now, that's what everyone in Chicago is saying because I live here. Um, I'm just not buying this hype with this team, dude. I understand they've made some nice additions. But when you look at, like, their quote-unquote big three of um, Vucevic... Uh, Ball and DeRozan, does that really like scare you? You know what I mean? Like, I just like, I just think they're kind of overvaluing these guys, and they're not really like, a, you know what I mean? It, like, even if they make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, I don't see them winning a playoff series. Yeah, for like, it was nice for Chicago fans to like have their front office do something during free agency. But, like, at what cost? Like, I feel like this team's ceiling is a five seed in the East. I don't really see them beating the Milwaukee's, the Brooklyn's, the Miami's of this conference. So, 
Lucic, that, that doesn't really scare me. Uh, the only good defenders, really good defenders on that starting lineup are Patrick Williams and Lonzo Ball. So, I don't know. Yeah, we can pause and pump the brakes <laughs> on the Bulls hype for a little bit. Now, I went 11, Knicks. Who'd you have at 11? Uh, 11 was the Raptors for me. I think they're in an interesting spot this year because last year they were playing in, playing in Tampa. Uh, they, aren't they back in Toronto this year? They're, they they are back in Toronto, yes. Okay. So, yeah, they'll be back in Toronto. They still got the remnants of that championship core. Um, but I don't know. I feel like people have figured out Toronto. They're looking at... They're in definitely in the seller's market right now. Um, they're trying to give Scotty Barnes a lot of touches, who wasn't necessarily like my favorite rookie in this class. Uh, so yeah, I just have them at eleven as they like navigate this selling market that they're in. Yeah, I wasn't really that high on the Scotty Barnes pick either. Um, eleven, I have the Knicks. Uh, twelve, who'd you have at twelve? Cleveland. Alright, so twelve, I actually had the Hornets. Um, 13, who'd you have? Uh, my Orlando Magic. All right, let's talk about the we Magic. Talk about let's talk about the Magic a little bit, because this is an interesting roster build. Um, tell me what you think about this Magic team. Um, I'm excited about our new coach, um, Jamal Mosley. I think he'll bring some culture setting, some discipline. I don't know who's going to score the basketball on this team, but I'm hoping it's going to be Jalen Suggs. I have some Rookie of the Year futures on him. I think he'll beat out Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green because who else is going to score the basketball on this team? But I think the Magic are going to be scrappy. They're going to surprise some people. People are going to think they're going to have like essentially a bye game against them every time they play them. So they're really going to scrape together a couple of scrappy wins and then formulate that defensive identity as Jonathan Isaac comes back. Um, it'll be interesting to see Mo Bamba get some more minutes. He's looked good in preseason. I just hope he can stay healthy and actually like show some of the potential we thought he had. I don't know. Um, I'm not, like, overly optimistic because I still have them only 13. But I think they can build for the future, play some good building blocks, and I'll be happy. Yeah, they're really... Plus, they got Jonathan Isaac, who's coming back from an injury. They got some interesting pieces. Um, and I'm totally in on Suggs. I think he's going to be a... I think they got somebody there that will make veterans want to play with you know what i mean i that to me that's who suggs is he's a first like a legit nba point guard so i really think that's a good piece but yeah i got him at 14 i'm just really not that high in him just because i think they're so young and it's going to take a little bit of time for mosley to get that culture going so um 13 i got the raptors i think that defensively they'll be good but you got the whole thing with Nurse and Siakam. I hated the Scotty Barnes draft pick. Um, yeah, that's I'm a little little worried about them. Um, so four, 14 for me was the Magic. 14 for you was who? I'm sorry? The Pistons, and then oh. 15 was the Wizards. So. See, I got 15 the Cavs. And, like, for me, this is, this, is, this is why it doesn't make sense for me for the Cavs. They want to roll out a starting three up front of Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley, and Marketing. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, what the fuck, dude? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And then you got Kevin Love, and, like, props to him, you know? Like, he's not going to take that buyout. He's got that big-ass contract. He's not really someone I want 
my young players to be around. You know what I mean? So he's basically just going to get paid all that money just to sit on his ass, dude. So props props to him. But, you know, because he... And then Sexton, wasn't he in, like, trade rumors last year? And he's, like, our best player. Yeah, and then you got Garland. I mean, it's just... They got some young pieces. I like Jarrett Allen a lot. I think he's a really good big. I think you can, like, build around him. But I just don't understand what they're doing. Like, I have no clue what they're doing with that front five. Like, like front front court. Like, who... You know what I mean? Like, I have no fucking clue. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um... No, I'm not going to lie. This West, the West was hard for me, bro. Like, hard for me to put up with my top 15. Actually, no, 9 through 15 were pretty easy. 1 through 8 were hard as fuck. So I'm really interested for to hear from you how you yeah, broke your feeling. Mine's going to be very different than yours. All right, so now... Let's start with number one. Um, who do you have as number one? This will be a surprise to your viewers, but I actually have the Portland Trailblazers as the number one team because, well, they've always been a great regular season team over the past couple of years. I think it's kind of like put up or shut up time for a lot of their players. Uh, CJ McCollum, Nurkic, because I think the writing's on the wall. Like uh, maybe Dame will leave, but. After this year, something doesn't work out. They're definitely getting shipped. Like CJ McCollum and Nurkic, they're going to have to try something different. So I think that's going to provide a sense of urgency. I think Chauncey's going to come in and be a good coach. He's a great basketball mind. And then this year, in particular, the West doesn't scare me like it has in years past. Um, I'll get to the rest of the teams, but yeah, I'm not as scared of other teams. I think in just a jumble, it can be the Portland Trailblazers. Um, not saying that they'll be contenders or be in the finals, but, but I can see them being the West number one seed. Oh, dude, that's a great point. And, like, here's the thing. Now, I'm going to – let's have a little teaching point for all the all, all the all the listeners out there. So you just made a great uh, – you made your argument for the, the Blazers to be the top team in the West, Okay. Now, generally speaking, when you guys do that, you can't really find value in a few like a future for that. But if that happens, who's going to be named the MVP if the Blazers finish top in the West? Dame Williams. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's fourteen to one. So if so, how Sterling's laying this out, Damian Lillard fourteen to one would be a great future because if they have the best record in the West and they get that top seed. He's easily going to be winning that MVP. So this is a... As I was making this, I was like, let me put a Damian Lillard future down. Yep. Because, like, that's how you guys have to think because there's usually not best... You know, you know, you got to find value with how you, like, do these um, these projections. I just went with the Jazz as mine. I just think, you know, this is just going to be, like, another, you know, a good regular season team, and they just can't get it done in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's basically... Basically, your argument for the Blazers is my argument for the Jazz. <laughs> you know, I just, I yeah, just think I they, sure. I just think they are. You know, they are who they are. Um, so I'm gonna be really interested to see because, like, now this is just me. I just feel that the NBA champion is either gonna be the Bucks or the Nets. That's that's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm East Coast biased, 
I just feel it's going to be one of those two teams. Obviously, the Nets, it determines with the Kyrie situation. So that's why for this West, the, the Western Conference for me was so hard just because I feel like there's not really that much separation with these teams, even with the Lakers having the quote unquote super team. Um, who did you yeah, go? I don't really understand. Go, go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead with what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll get to the Lakers, but I don't really understand the Lakers super team talks. But anyways, my number two team is the Denver Nuggets. I think they played very well uh, without Jamal Murray. If they had Jamal Murray, I'd definitely be putting some uh, futures down on them to win the NBA championship. But uh, I don't know the timetable of his return. He doesn't even know the timetable of his return, he said recently. But either way, I think I think the Nuggets win by committee along with Jokic. They do a great job of sharing the ball, getting everyone involved. Um, multiple people can explode for 15, 20-point games at a given time. So I think the Nuggets will be a really good team. Um, as far as like MVP futures, I highly doubt Jokic will win MVP again. But I think he's going to be in, up there and have great statistics, uh, average near triple-double again. And the Nuggets are going to be a really good team once again. So. Now, the thing that gets me about Jokic, and I love the guy, and I have Denver at 2-2, which is kind of funny. Um, I, I've never seen somebody not get support from other NBA players as he did last year for his MVP. You know what I mean? It was like, was, oh, MVP should win. Curry should win. And it's funny because, like, if you were an NBA player, the one guy you'd want to play with is Djokovic just because he, he gets everyone involved. So the, the whole thing just didn't make sense to me. It was just utterly fucking crazy. But, um, yeah, totally agree with you. I think Porter's going to take that next step up. Um, I think actually getting rid of Millsap's going to help because then you won't have the pressure. Malone won't have the pressure to play him. And um, Porter basically won't have to worry about Millsap stepping in and cutting minutes. So it'll be a little playing a little bit more loose on the court. So I definitely agree with you that my number three team may surprise you. Who do you have as number three? I had Utah. So you already talked about them. And I completely agree. They are who they are. So. See, my number three, and I this is just because I – I don't know. I think this is going to be their last hurrahs, the Golden State Warriors. I think this is going to be basically their last go at it. Um, Wiggins got the vaccine. He's going to be able to play. Clay's going to be healthy in March. Um, so I, I think what the Warriors are going to try to do is get that 3-4 line and then just try to get that playoff push at their home arena because that's such a tough place to play. I think Curry could make an MVP push. I... I think they're going to be healthy this year too. I think this is going to be their last their last rodeo, so to speak. I think this is going to be the year they really? go after it. Yeah, I think it. I think okay. after this year, it's the. I'm not going to say they're going to start trading off pieces, but all three of those guys, Green, Clay, and Curry, and we don't even know what we're going to get from Clay. They're going to make a significant decline. Um, who's your three? Oh, oh sorry, you said the Jazz. My bad. Who's your four? Um, before I go into my four, I'll talk about the Golden State Warriors for a little bit. Right. This is probably my biggest disagreement with you. I have the Warriors as low as nine. I'm just very low on the Warriors this year. I think you're relying on Clay to be what he once was, and Clay hasn't played basketball in like two years. Um, Draymond looks pretty spotty at times. 
Curry's ankles are always like, will they be durable? Um, Wiseman didn't fit in great last year, so who's to say he'll just come in this year and have it down pat? So I'm just like not super high on the Warriors. Also, the pieces that they drafted, sure that they'll help, but they're not going to be able to play that championship mentality from day one that they expected. We watched Wiseman struggle with that last year. I don't know if Moody and Kaminga are going to come in and really add to or be championship type pieces from day one. So I don't know. I'm not too high on the Warriors this year, personally. Okay. Uh, who do you have as your four? Four have the Suns. Um, they want mostly everyone back. Uh, they're still a good team. But I think they definitely benefited from running into all these different injuries, whether it was the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers. Um, that's not to take anything away from them. They still made a finals run, but they definitely did have some help along the way. But they're still going to be a really good team. Devin Booker has improved in each year of his career. Aiden looks really good. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll hover around the, the top half of the West. So I put my four as the Lakers. I just feel with LeBron and – AD and Westbrook, I think they're going to be able to get some regular season wins. Um, I think it's going to take a little time for them to gel a little bit. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to put the – I think – but I don't think this is a championship caliber team just because I don't think they can play any defense. I think they're just going to go out there and outscore people in the regular season. And because of that, I think they're going to slip into the four spot and maybe win a playoff round. But I don't see them advance – I don't – I would be shocked if this team makes it out of the West, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I have the Lakers at five. Oh, um, so I have the Suns at five. I have the Suns at five. So, so basically, like, my point with the Suns is this, is I agree with you. I think they caught a lot of people at the right time. Um, Chris Paul obviously elevated a lot of people, but Devin Booker is in the same situation as Holiday and... Um, uh, Middleton are. He went over there, played in the Summer Olympics, but I think with the Bucks having three guys in Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis, they're going to be able to rest better than the Suns are with Booker. Um, I just feel like the rotational-wise, it works out a little bit better. And then did you see this stuff with the Suns aren't guaranteeing Aiken? They're going to, you know what I, I like they're not, what? what? You, you aren't extending this guy for the max? That makes zero sense to me. Because this kid is way better than I thought he was going to be in the NBA. You have a young big that can get up and down the court and run. I I, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me why they aren't extending that guy for the max. And I think that I think when you have a young guy, and I granted I don't know him, it's what I've heard. Before Paul got there, this kid was very immature. You have an immature guy, a little upset about not making his money. I could see some issues there.
just don't think it's like as a formality as most of the mainstream NBA media thinks it is. Now, I asked my buddy, you know, my buddy works for an NBA team. Him and I used to play basketball back in the day. I go, I go, hypothetically, if I were to suit up right now, could I go out on the court and get 10 on that team? And he said, yes. Like his, his didn't even hesitate. Just said yes. He so I think in crunch time this team is really going to struggle with defense as a team unity. Granted, AD is a freak with what he can do, but team defense I really think they're going to struggle. Um, who's your six? Um, back half of the West was harder for me. Uh, I ultimately decided on the Clippers at six, but then I don't know when Kawhi is coming back. I, I think he said like May or April or something like that. I don't know if that's right. Um, but they played well without him. They played fine. So I could see them being in that six to eight range. Because um, Paul George could step up. Um, I think he gained some confidence back in himself after that playoff run. So I could see them being six to eight, but not too excited about that. Yeah, don't really see them going anywhere if Kawhi's not healthy. Okay. I have six as the Mavericks. Like, I just... There's just something about Jason Kidd. You know what I mean? Like, the whole, like, bump into me so I can spill the Pepsi. Um, the whole stuff with that Giannis book about um, the pra- the Thanksgiving Eve practice. And um, this is the thing. Like, you remember Larry Sanders that played for the Bucks? After that whole ordeal, he didn't step on the court again. So... I just feel that him and Luca are going to bump heads because Luca is a tough guy to deal with. From everything that's coming out, Luca is a tough guy to deal with. And from what I saw from Luca from the NBA to the Summer Olympics, if I'm Cuban, dude, fuck that noise, dude. I'm calling the Slovakia the Slovakian national coach, and that's who's coaching this team because Luca was locked in and listening to that guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm making everything possible for Luca. And I just see with those two guys' personalities, I just see a headbutt, budding couple. Yeah, that's why I have the Mavericks as low as eight. Um, I wanted, last year I was pounding the drum for Luka to be MVP. I thought the Mavericks would take that jump. Um, And they fired Rick Carlisle. They brought in Jason Kidd, who, just reading some of those stories about him, and then his checkered pass, I I just see him and Luka bumping heads, like you said, so I can see them falling as low as eight, um, and they have more talent. Than it's funny, eight. like you mentioned the stuff about you mentioned the stuff about Jason Kidd. Like someone posted this, and it was it was fake, but he posted how this big story how Jason Kidd would go to water parks, and all the guys on the team thought it was because the single moms there, but it was actually that he was. Uh, he liked water slides. He was just really into water slides. And sometimes during timeouts, instead of diagramming a play, he would draw pictures of water slides. It was, it was, it was so funny. And, oh my! It was, it, I'll have to find the thread and send it to you. Um, seven. I went with the Blazers, but I totally get everything you're saying makes play makes sense to me. I just kind of feel like at the end of the day, this is what they do. They always finish like seventh or sixth in in the west and i don't i don't think they really changed the roster that much 
to make me think they're going to overachieve. Don't get me wrong. I love Chauncey. I mean, I was in the Palace when he hit that half-court shot against the Nets in the playoffs. I love this guy. I have a Chauncey Billups jersey hanging in my place right now. And Chauncey, if you're listening, I need an autograph on that bad boy, so hit me up. But uh, I just, I love Chauncey. I think he's great, but I just, I just think the Blazers are who they are. Um, I have the Grizzlies at seven. I've doubted them like the past two years, um, even after seeing their success. I'm going to try not to do that this year. I don't really understand them getting rid of Valanciunas. I know they want Jaron Jackson Jr. to take on a bigger role this year, but he's had a problem staying healthy, and you can't really rely on that or rely on him to stay healthy. So you. But, you have them at eight or seven? I have them seven, and I have them average eight. All right, so I want the Clippers eight. I just feel that, you know, Paul George and who else? Like, Paul George is showing he can't really be the one guy carrying a team, but with someone else, he's fine. Obviously, I'm not sure one Kawhi, if Kawhi is going to come back this year. That's why I have him at eight. Nine, I want the Grizzlies. I just feel the loss of Venetiosis is going to be, like, way too much. Because they relied on this guy way too much. And what he can, don't get me wrong, I would rather have him, Jackson, and Morant. If they had those three, I would put this team four or five in the West, no problem. But I really think losing him is going to hurt. And don't get me wrong, I hate Grayson Allen. I think this guy's a dirty ball player, a, P, a POS, but he was a floor spacer and someone that could hit a three, reliably hit a three. And I think not having a shooter as good as him on the court is going to allow teams to sag off and, um, you know what I mean, clog the lane for Morant. So that's why I have the Grizzlies at nine. Um, who's it? Who's your ninth? My nine was the Warriors because I was just a little them. All right. Now, 10th, who do you have? The Minnesota Timberwolves. I think um, Cat's back. He's ready to go. He slimmed down. Um, I think Malik Beasley might have a big year. D'Angelo Russell, people have kind of forgotten about him. Um, don't really consider him as a top 15 point guard. So I think it's a big year where he can really uh, get back into the good graces of like NBA media. But I think it's time for the Timberwolves to like, make the jump. I feel like either them or the Kings, now is the year where one of them has to show like, progress and like be like, Eric, get a move on in this process because it seems like they're always stuck near the bottom. So I think the Timberwolves, if they're not fighting for the play-in, then this year was uh, a wash you know, for them. So I need them to show something. All right, so I have the Pelicans at 10th. That's who I went with 10th. Um, Zion's obviously hurt. Guy only knows what's going to happen with him, if he's going to – you know what I mean? Like there's so many reports, but – I'm banking on him coming back, missing the first part of the season, but then finishing 10th. Um, who do you have as 11th? 11th, I have the Pelicans. Uh, I feel like we'll hear more about Zion wanting to leave. You heard that last year, that rumor that Zion's unhappy. I feel like we'll hear more about this year because mm-hmm. I feel like they got worse as a team. So. Now, at 11, I have the Spurs. I mean, I really – this team missed the boat. I mean, I – when you look back at it, and they could have dra- they could have traded and got a Brandon Ingram, who I think is a legit player in this NBA. I think he's a, you know what I mean. I think if Ingram would have went to the Spurs, I think this whole next phase of Spurs basketball would already be happening right now, and they wouldn't be in this kind of dead zone of struggling to make the playoffs, top of the lottery. 
So I really think they missed the boat by not trading Kawhi to the to the Lakers. Um, so I have them at 11. Yeah, I mean, Derek White's kind of struggled this preseason. They just kind of, you know what I mean? They just really don't have a guy. You know what I mean? They just don't have that dude. So I just, I don't know. You know, and Pop's got to be toward the end of his run there. Uh, yeah, I just I just have this team at 11. Yeah, I have the Spurs. Or I'll go back to my 12 in a second, but I have the Spurs at 13. Like you said, they don't really have like an identity. They don't have a go-to scorer. Um, I do have a bet on Kelvin Johnson to win most improved player, as maybe he turns into that guy this year as they like funnel the offense through him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad to see the Spurs like this after competing for so many years. Cause it's just like, what are they right now? Yeah, they're, they are sadly nothing, my friend. Um, so, 12, I have the Timberwolves. Who is your 12? Uh, Sacramento Kings. All right. Uh, now, I have the Kings as 14. The Kings for me are this. You have Fox, who how he hasn't requested a trade is blowing my mind because I think this kid is a world beater. I think he's a legit point guard in the NBA, and he's just dying in Sacramento right now. You have Bagley, who's always going to be compared to, hey, we picked you over Luca, over Trey Young, whose dad's tweeting how bad the organization is. And you have Luke Walton, who's arguably the worst coach in the league. You know what I mean? I, I think he is the worst coach in the league. And I don't even know how he has a job and how he wasn't fired after last year. I have them at 14. And the only reason I put them at 14 is I think my my, my team at 15 is going to completely tank this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I have the Kings at 14. Who's your next team? Um, so it was Kings at 12, Spurs at 13, and I have the Rockets at 14. All right, I have the Rockets at 15. I think the Rockets are just going to tank like no other. I think they'll be fun to watch. I hate Jalen Green already because he's talking shit about Detroit not drafting him, so he can go. I don't understand that. Like, why is he beefing with the city? You know what I mean? Like, he. But here's the thing. Like, first of all, he say. First of all, it was like, I want to go one. I got. I want to go one. I want to go one. Now it's all like he's all salty because he didn't go one, and they went Kate Cunningham. He's like, oh, I didn't want to go there anyway. It's like, dude, fuck you, man. You know, I just, you know, just, just go do you. But I really like. Um, the Turkish big guy they got. That's the guy I really, really like that they have. Oh, yeah. Um, now, talk to me. So, tell me what you think about the Rockets. Uh, they're not going to do anything this year. Um, they're going to be fun to watch. Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, chucking up some shots, uh, getting some buckets. It'll be exciting. Um, I just don't see anything of substance really coming from that team besides some development and some young guys getting growth. They definitely had a good draft class. It'll be interesting to see the Turkish guy and then the rest of the class, Josh Christopher, I believe. Um, but yeah, no, no, no expectations. Not better than many other teams out West. They shouldn't have any expectations. So. Now, so, okay. My 13th team is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think this team is slowly getting better. The thing to me that I don't understand is how do you I, – I love Gildas Alexander. I think he's transcending to one of the top players in the league. But the fact they are offering him to the Pistons for the top pick kind of suggests to me 
that this whole rebuild is going to take way longer than I anticipated. Um, so yeah, but they, they have a lot of young, interesting pieces. And I just, I just think like, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, it's like between them, the Kings and the Rockets, it's like three shitty teams. And I think they're the least shittiest of the, of the bunch. That's why I have them at 13. I have the Thunder at 15. Cause I literally watched them last year. I watched them last year, um, played a couple close games and they would literally take Shea out at like key minutes and then wait way too long to sub him back in. And I felt like they were kind of thinking and with rumors that he doesn't fit the timeline, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and then they offered him for Cade Cunningham. It seems like they don't they don't want to they win. this Which makes zero fucking sense to me. How can you not want to win? You know what I mean? Like so yeah, I don't I don't know. My so Yeah, they were my thirteen. Your fourteen was um how was your fourteen? I'm sorry. Uh thirteen Spurs, fourteen Rockets, fifteen Thunder. Okay, so I have fifteen Okay. Alright, so now F so now let's let's give out a couple of our awards. Oh sorry, surprising team. Which which team is we kinda got this out? So you think the Bla- the Blazers are gonna be a surprise team of the league this year? Yeah, so my surprising teams, I just did three surprise and three disappointing. I'll run through them real quick. My surprising teams are the Boston Celtics to secure home court advantage in the East, the Portland Trailblazers to be a top three seed in the West, and then the Memphis Grizzlies to make the playoffs again because it seems like they're not in any talks. Okay. My surprising team, obviously my Detroit Pistons, Motor City Pride in the house, getting that playing gearing game. Uh, Mortarcade leading us to the promised land, getting into the playoffs. Um, I got the Pacers getting home court advantage, probably losing to the Heat in the first round, but I have them getting getting that. And then uh, the Golden State Warriors, one last run at it. Uh, who are your disappointing teams? Brooklyn Nets, especially if Kyrie doesn't play. I think it would just be like just an issue for them. Um, and it's like championship or bust for them. So they'll be disappointing if they don't win. The Golden State Warriors and then the Dallas Mavericks because of Jason Kidd. So. Okay. Um, my disappointing teams, Dallas Mavericks, obviously. I'm with six. People are talking championship. For them, um, the Lakers only having that four people, I think, I, I think are going to vision them as the top seed in, in the Eastern Conference. And I'm gonna say the 76ers. Seven, I am seventh in the East. I really think with all the turmoil going off the court, I think that's gonna add up. Um, now, who? Real quickly, let's go over. You have you had Rookie of the Year as Jalen Jalen not Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Yes, he'll take up the bulk of the usage rate in Orlando. So I have Jaylen him. I have defense. him as well. Your MVP is who? If the Portland Trailblazers finish, how I think they're going to finish. But a dark horse candidate is Jason Tatum. The Celtics do really good. Okay. I um, I took Giannis as the MVP. I think with this jump shot, he's going to win it. Um, Coach of the year, obviously, Dwayne Casey, without a shadow of a doubt, just put it in. Rookie of the year for me, Kate Cunningham. Uh, who Who's your coach of the year? Uh, if Portland finishes like that, it's got to be Chauncey. Okay. Um, I threw in another dark horse candidate. Taylor Timberwolves put it all together. All their talent. Chris Finch um, is a dark horse candidate that you can bet on. Okay, cool. Uh, 
cool, cool, my man. Sterling, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your busy life. Uh, you have, like, I, I think I'm running around with my head cut off. When you talk to me, tell me everything you have going on. You're five times more busier than I am, man. So thanks for taking time to come on and uh, talk to everybody about your thoughts on the NBA. Hopefully, you know, we can do this again. Um, also, if you're ever up in this area, man, I got a, I got a ticket for you to the Bucks game, man. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Uh, thanks for having me. I always enjoy this. Um, it's a pleasure to me to, to get uh, a break out of my busy life to do this. So um, find me on Instagram at Silver Star Sports. It's going to be Silver Star and underscore and then sports. I apologize. I haven't been the most active recently, but um, I'm, as we get closer to the holiday season and I get more breaks from school and stuff like that, I'll definitely be posting more. Um, NBA is coming up. Uh, football is moving all along so I'll definitely be posting so follow me at Superstar Sports I haven't really opened up the other social medias yet but they should be coming so just follow me there and I'm sure I'll be on again soon so thanks for having me look forward to talking to you my man we'll talk soon bud so now we're going to shift our attention to fantasy football our new weekly segment where we help you guys design a DFS team my buddy Gino he's like my dad made this analogy the other day like, I'm kind of like Joe Dumars, and you're kind of like Isaiah Thomas in our little, <laughs> in our little like, um, our little courtship of sports and everything. So, uh, absolutely, you're the, <laughs> you're usually the point guard. Today, I'm going to be the point guard and kind of a little role reversal here. You're going to be setting me up, and uh, and I'm going to have to score a little bit uh, more than I'm usually kind of handling the ball and facilitating. But I'm okay. I'm I'm ready to rock. I've got some uh, some good DFS plays this week. Most of the for me, I play a lot more. DraftKings, so a lot of the stuff that I'll talk about from like pricing and stuff will, will be a little more DraftKings centralized, but it'll the, the st- everything statistics numbers wise can serve any, for wherever people are playing and building their lineups. That's perfect. That's perfect because I play DraftKings all the time, and then for everyone, this is your first time listening. The whole concept of this is this isn't something you put in a millionaire maker. This is a 50 50. 50 50, you generally score over 105 points, you're going to make your money back. And that's what we're trying to do here, make our money back. We're going to give you a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a running back, one that we could kind of agree on, and that will be your build for the week. So let's jump right into the quarterback positioning. There's some interesting matchups this week. In terms of the quarterback position, is there any like game or any players you're kind of looking at that kind of have your uh, palette wet? Yeah, the one that jumps right out to me is the, uh, the Kansas City-Washington game, and I'm looking at Heineke. Um, someone that, that, you know, we've mentioned a few different times. Heineke's priced on DraftKings at only 5800 and he's coming off of a really bad effort. It was his worst game of the year by far. He was atrocious. He was just awful. But he was playing against a very good defense. The Saints' defense is actually the number three defensive DVOA. And in the three prior games, so he started four games this year out of the five. He came into that first game, uh, I think, like the middle of the first quarter second quarter or so when Fitzpatrick got hurt and uh in the three games he started before uh weeks two three and four 24 DFS points on DraftKings 23.38 points and 27.9 points last week he got 11.9 and that was the bad game but this week he's playing the number 32 ranked defensive DVOA Kansas City is dead last overall on defense they are dead last against the pass what's nice about Heineke too 
is he's got a pretty good floor for his rushing. In his last three games, he has 104 yards rushing. So you throw in, you know, 30-ish rushing yards there with the opportunity to run into the end zone, throw a couple passes against a really bad defense. I think Heineke at like 5,800 is a pretty good way to go in, uh, in, in a few different lineups and gives you the opportunity to uh, spend up at some of the other positions. I love Heineke. Like, that's kind of funny because that's who's exactly at the top of my list, man. Like, you know, you look you look at the Kansas City defense. They're giving up 308.6 yards passing and then 47 yards rushing to the quarterback. 28 points. I mean, I think his floor is really low here. Now, this is game's going to be a shootout. None of these defenses can stop shit. So I really love Heineke here. And his price point, it's going to open stuff up here. And also, like... Also in this, I forgot to tell everyone at the beginning, we have a tendency here. It's called AK, always Kelsey. So we always put Kelsey in the tight end position because we feel like we'd be behind the eight ball if we didn't. So that's why we don't go over the tight end position that much. So by having Heineke, we'd have a, a, a piece, the whole piece basically of the football team's offense. So I love Heineke here. Agree with you 180%. So let's plug Heineke in. Right now, we'll put Heineke in at the quarterback position, and he was, I'm sorry, how much did you say he was? He was 5,800. All right, so 5,800. So that's going to open up tons of options for us. Let's go down to the running back position here. Now, we had some interesting news break. Um, Damian Williams is obviously out for the um, for the Bears, and it came across today, no Nick Chubb. So that, yep. so that kind of is out. So that's important for people to remember. In terms of the running back position, is there anyone that's kind of sticking out for you? Yeah, there, we, the, the game that you mentioned now, I think you have to keep an eye on Kareem Hunt because um, we're recording this on Friday, and Kareem Hunt has also been a little bit banged up, but I think he's going to play. And if he plays, he's going to definitely get the load. He's 6200 priced. With Chubb around, you and I have, have talked about this too, Kareem Hunt gets a ton of looks with Chubb there all the time. He's gotten 14, 16, 16, and 19 touches between carries and uh, and receptions over the last four weeks. And if he's healthy, it's all him. If he's not healthy, or if he, you know, if you, if you, kind of get the feeling going into the week that he uh, going into Sunday he, he was like really close to a game time decision and maybe he's not going to be a workhorse um there's kind of a sneaky Demetric Felton for uh for the Browns now this is something that you point out a lot of times when we've talked on my show is that what's nice about the Browns is they are built beautifully to run the ball and so I think whoever is back there is going to always do oh get some okay production. They're not going to be Chubb or Hunt if you just bring someone in that's that's younger and a rookie. But they will always have a great opportunity because of that offensive line and the way this team is. They want to run the ball. They're built to run the ball. And someone like Felton, he's four thousand. Um, if you look at Felton, he's he's a, a rookie and he's only played uh, this year a few games, but. He's got multiple targets three times this year, multiple catches in three games. He hasn't run a, he has not run once yet. But last year he was converted at UCLA from wide receiver to running back in his senior year. He ran for 668 yards on 5.1 yards per carry in just six games. 668 yards in six games in 2020. He had 827 yards from scrimmage behind a very good offensive line in an excellent running system. This might be someone that's really sneaky, really cheap to throw into your lineup. And if Hunt is a little banged up too, he's going to get a couple extra touches. Someone to maybe get a real cheap flyer on in some spots. And by taking someone as cheap as Felton is, that's going to open up 
like using Devontae Adams, using Eckler. Yep. It's gonna use those higher um higher price guys which which we love to do. In that game, now let me let me throw this guy at you. What do you think now he's only fifty five hundred and this is what stuck out to me. James Conner. It's gonna be twenty mile per hour wins and I'm looking at my red zone touches. James Conner this year in the red zone and this blew my blew me away. He has fifteen carries inside the twenty 10 carries inside the 10 and six inside the five. So he's obviously has got, he's basically the red zone back and it's going to be windy there. Do you think Connor could be that guy? He's the 22nd price running back and Kyler has been banged up. He did not throw the ball as well last week. He didn't look very good last week. And remember what happened last year when he was banged up a little bit and he had the shoulder injury, how much different a quarterback he looked like in the, you know, games six, seven on in the season. He was just completely different. He wasn't running nearly as much. He wasn't throwing down the field as much. He wasn't stretching the field. Um, I think it's a, a very good call at the price play. Absolutely. He's 5500 He's not going to cost you a whole lot. Yeah, he's the 22nd priced running back on uh, on DraftKings. And you know what? You know, you and I bitch about Jonathan Taylor's touches all the time. I'm looking at my chart right now. Son of a bitch, dude. The guy has the most carries inside the 5, most mm-hmm. carries inside the 11, and most carries inside the 20. It's amazing like how many how much this kid is touching the ball and just not getting touches. Like you look at him 24 carries inside the 20 for one TD. Derek Henry, 22 carries, six TDs. Eckler, 18 carries, four TDs. Um, James Conner, who I just mentioned, 15 carries inside the 20, five TDs inside the 20. So, I mean, it kind of blows my mind when I look at it. Um, so, we're down. So, is there anyone else in the running back position that kind of wets, wets your palate a little bit? Yeah, there were two others that I, I had marked down. Um, one... Um, another injury that you mentioned uh, for for the Bears, there's no Williams, there's no Montgomery. It's going to be all Khalil Herbert this mm-hmm. week for the Bears. Um, I, now I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the best game script for them, but he's only 4,700. In his last game, he got 18 carries for 75 yards. I don't know if I it, he might be someone I toss into one lineup or two. I'm not going to necessarily stack a bunch around him, um, but. Mainly because I don't know how much he's going to catch the ball. He's never really been, um, I think even in college, someone who caught a whole lot of passes. So he might be someone who's only going to be in there to run. And if they're not running a lot, like last week they were in a good position to to run the ball a lot. They were up. Vegas wasn't doing anything against them. So if the game script's bad, he might be one that's tough. The one that I do really like a lot and might be maybe maybe my favorite one of the day is uh, is Daryl Henderson Jr. at 6,000 for the Rams. So he's got four games so far this year with at least 15.7 points in each of those games on DraftKings. He has 80-plus rushing yards in his last two games. He's at at least four yards per carry in every game this year. So he's actually been running the ball well whenever he gets touches. What I like about him is the third game back since he missed from an injury, and they have a couple extra days off. So he should be really healthy now, and you can sort of tell how they were using him a little more in the last couple weeks. Um, almost a 10-point favorite in their game, so the game script favors them to be up big and to need to run the clock out late. That's a game where the Giants are going to be missing a ton of their key players, and so the Rams look like they have an opportunity to get an early lead and to try to you know hand the ball off a bunch. I could see him getting a lot of extra carries late in the game and you know sneaking into the end zone once, maybe even twice. Now... 
I'm looking now. My Lions can't defend the run to save their save their life. They're giving up 112.4 yards per game, 27.7 fantasy points per game. They're playing the Bengals. You have Mixon, P. Ryan. Both of them are banged up. What about Chris Evans? The, That's the, a good Captain America. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, just by process of elimination, like, that's someone Absolutely. I'm a little interested in. Absolutely. He's another one of those flyers because he's one, keep a real eye on Sunday morning because I, I wouldn't want to play Mixon in lineups this week. I have to, I'm going to be forced to play Mixon in probably in one or two season long, and I'm already dreading it because I can see what happened sort of last week for him where maybe he gets in early, he tries, he wants to play. But then he's just still banged up, and they have to go to someone else. If we find out that Mixon is not playing for sure, Chris Evans is going to be in some of my lineups, no doubt about it. And hopefully that shield will be uh, strong for him. Now, um, Chargers can't defend the run. You're in the L.A. area. Everyone knows it. They can't defend the run, but they're playing the Ravens. Murray, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Tayson Williams. I mean— on someone I think it would be Murray you know I just feel like he's got the the best chance to accidentally get into the end zone it feels like Lamar is probably someone who will benefit the most I think from the rate the Chargers lack of rush so I don't it's probably a game where I won't target the running backs against the Chargers as much as maybe you get a little Lamar in in one or two of your lineups somewhere and and hope he has another like banger of a game okay Uh, now is there anyone else in the running back position maybe like I'm looking at this Vikings-Panthers game, and I can honestly say, like, I don't think there's anyone in this game I like. Am I just being a, a Sam Darnold hater like I always am? Or is... No, no. It's this, from, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't like anyone. McCaffrey's going to be is out again. I'm not really a, a fan of any of the skill position players on the, on the Panthers when McCaffrey's not there because they, they're just not as balanced. They, if they make it difficult on Sam to throw the ball like we've seen, it's just uh, it's, it's going to be harder for him. With McCaffrey there, then then they have to – Sam gets a lot of one-on-ones to deal with, you know, and he can make – he can just kind of throw to some of his talented receivers and, and make them make a play. It's, it's much easier for him. So I'll probably stay away from playing them until McCaffrey's back, some of their skill players in, in that game and, and in some of those games. Um, now, yeah, the, now Cook's, Cook's not 100%. So hypothetically, let's say like – you want the Vikings running game here. Are you going to play Cook? Are you going to play Madison? Or are you just going to say, F it, I don't want a piece of anything, buddy? And I actually think that Madison is a little bit banged up right now. Um, And he may... So if Cook plays, he may get some bulk. I would feel more confident in playing Cook than I would someone like Mixon because I do I do sort of get the sense this week that Cook may get a little bit more, but he's burned you a couple times in similar situations where, you know, you spend up or if you were playing in season-long, you know, leagues, you had Cook in there and he played for a quarter or half the game and then was in and out and just, you know, probably torpedoed your lineups. Now, I mentioned Jonathan Taylor, how he's leading the whole NFL in red zone carries. He's 6,600. Colts line is banged up, but they will have a positive green script with what the line suggests with the Texans. Any interest in him at all? Yeah. I think he's probably a pretty good direction to go. When you look at Houston, they are 30th 
against the rush. It's been like a, a thing with them for the last few years, even with different personnel, like a brand new coaching. They've been one of these teams that's just been horrible against the run and just really bad uh, uh, stopping backs. What I like also is we saw him break a big, uh, ta- a big, break a big run last week for uh, a, a long touchdown out of the backfield. He's capable of catching uh, multiple passes. Like you said, for some reason, they don't want to get Naheem Hines in the mix. So if that's the case, then it's probably even a little bit more for Taylor. And I, I honestly just think that Wentz looked good last week. If he's playing better, it's just going to make their offense better. They're going to be able to move the ball better. And they're going to just have, they're going to be more opportunities for points. They're going to be just a sharper team. They looked so much smoother last week. Absolutely. I think Taylor's the way to go. Now, one more running back question. I've been saying it forever that Williams is a better fit in this Kansas City running game. Obviously, with it being such a high total, you definitely want a piece of it. Um, Williams is priced at 4900 Any interest in him, or do you think they're going to attack the Washington defense with the air? I probably want to watch one with him, and I do think that this Washington defense has been pretty atrocious, but when you dig into it a little bit, the D-line is starting to play better, and they may be able to make it difficult on running there. Um, The the secondary has just been blowing coverages all over the place, so I think that's probably where you see them uh, attack over and over. So I, I might want to watch one game, and just kind of see what the backfield looks like without Edwards Hilaire around, kind of see what the distribution is like. Are there going to be multiple people? Are we even going to get some? He's kind of banged up, but sometimes you get Tyreek Hill. Would it be a shock if you got a Kelsey pitch or two? You know? um, so I'm kind of curious. They may get creative instead of get you know uh, having one running back get 20-plus touches. Okay. All right. So we gave you guys plenty of low-budget options. Again, using these low-budget options is going to open you up so you can – hit the home run with Adams, Henry, whoever. Now let's go to the one of the positions that is always a pain in the ass, the wide receiver position. Now, is there anyone that's really kind of, you know, sparking your interest that is a low-budget, mid-range guy you feel you need? Yeah, I think I, I have three that I really like that I'm going to use in a lot of my lineups. The one's uh, kind of one of each. One's lower budget, one's uh, mid-range, and one's a spend-up. We'll kind of go from bottom to the top. Uh, you and I discussed him on my show the other day. He is for your Detroit Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown. He's priced at 4200 He's basically like the last man standing right now of the wide receivers in Detroit. Uh, They're really banged up. His last two games... Eight targets in each game, uh, eight targets, six receptions, 70 yards, and 13 points on DraftKings. And what I like is that he had a long of 24, and then uh, eight targets, seven receptions, 65 yards, and 13 and a half points on DraftKings with a long of 18. So he's scoring some points. He's super cheap, and that's sort of all you need from someone who's 4,200. What's what do you say? You want to get about two and a half to three times what your price pay, you know, what you're paying for at least is kind of a floor from someone. And if we can get him into that 13 to 15 point range and he gets a touchdown, now we're up into the 20 point range. So I think he he kind of feels like someone who has a good floor because I feel like he's going to have to be a big part of this offense just because there aren't a lot of ways to go there. I expect him to get in the 7 to 10 target range. Oh, easily. I completely agree. He's averaged 8 the last two games. Led him the last two games in targets, and he's third in the team in targets. So, I mean, I think I love Brown. I actually picked him up with one of my leagues and actually started him this week in a DFS. Yep. I he's think, got a good floor. And, you know, like you feel like he's going to be in that, you know, bad game for him is probably like 
eight, nine points, and a good game is probably 20 to maybe even he could get lucky and maybe get a couple touchdowns depending on what the, the script is. He can break one or two. He's He is very, very talented, athletic. He's a stud. He went to USC, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of all the like USC guys that just come into the NFL as a USC fan, but he's legitimately a stud athlete, and if he gets the connection, like he will have games where he'll score like three or four touchdowns, and, and they'll probably be coming sooner than later now with uh, as much of a focus as he's going to have to be in Detroit. Now, in terms of, um, I need to ask you about Bobby Trees. I, I You know, you're, you're the L.A. guy, man. This just kind of seems, Bradbury, who I love, he's kind of been struggling this year. Do you think this kind of game gets out of hand where it's not going to be a Bobby Trees, or am I just chasing Bobby Trees off his game from last week? Um, I do like the fact, uh, I think he's, he's still a, a positive play, but you, the game script does worry me. Um, I, I think he's trending in the right direction. And in, I, like you said, it's not always great to play someone off of a big week, but in the, in the case of, of Bobby trees, uh, Robert Woods, Bob Woods, as his friends let him call him. Um, he, uh, he's one that was not getting involved a lot early. It was all Cooper cup. It was a lot of Higby. It just you just were not seeing a lot of targets and a lot of focus to Robert Woods. I love seeing that they, they and then McVay had mentioned it over and over. We're going to get him more involved. We're going to get him more involved. And then he has the big game. So I think he will be more uh, like more involved in the offense going forward. But the game script does worry me a little bit. So you know, mixed mixed feelings with him. Okay. Um. Who who's your who who's your next guy on your list? Okay. So my middle tier is Tim Patrick. For the Broncos, uh, Tim Patrick is only priced at fifty one hundred. And if you look at Tim Patrick, he is at least twelve points in four out of five weeks. The only game he didn't hit double digit points was when the Broncos played Baltimore, and that was when Teddy B got hurt and he had a concussion at halftime. And Baltimore was uh, the and the Broncos were really banged up in that game too. And they're still banged up, but they were that was a game where they just were really decimated by injury, and you could tell they had a tough time moving the ball. Other than that, he's been at least 12 points. Um, he had 17 targets in his last two games combined, and he's coming off of his best outing. Seven receptions, 89 yards, nine targets. He had 15.9 fantasy points. He is actually fifth on Football Outsiders um, wide receiver DVOA. He's number five. He is really, really efficient, and he's always been someone that was really highly regarded for of being an excellent route runner and just being a smart player. He doesn't drop the ball a lot. He's right where he's supposed to be all the time. He can beat people. He's kind of he's just a good, good wide receiver. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Landry, but a little more like uh, a little flashier. Um, and he was only behind Jefferson Hill and uh, Mike Williams and Marquise Brown, and he's fifth on that list. So just to give you an idea of where he stacks up on some of the advanced you know, metrics and uh, some of the analytics stuff, I think Tim Patrick has a good opportunity this week in a spot where, you know, I have no idea what to expect from Las Vegas. I'm going to kind of be fading. I'm not even going to be really getting involved in a lot of their games from a betting standpoint because, you know, I don't know how their team's going to respond. It's not like they fired a bad coach who was performing really bad. They just it's just a weird energy so i wouldn't be shocked if teams playing vegas sort of beat up on them but i don't think their secondary is very good as that is so um let's give tim patrick a look at 5100 i love kim patrick too he's actually on my list and the thing with the raiders is casey hayward travels he's going to be traveling with sutton that means amir robertson is going to be lining across from tim patrick and i mean he's five nine 
what's Kirkpatrick, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that's a huge height advantage. And he allowed 9 of 12 targets against the Bears last week, man, against the Bears. So, I mean, I definitely think Patrick is def- – I, I just basically love him. Basically, I agree with everything you said. Um, I got to throw one guy out of you just because, as I said on your show, I'm betting the Texans this week. I'm betting the Texans money line this week. My boy Brandon Cooks. This guy is a 40% target share, getting 8.8 targets per game. My boy Longneck Mills was slinging the ball all over the field. Um, how do you feel about B. Cooks this week? He's What is he priced at? I just had him. He is actually all the way down at 5,800. Yep, he's a great play because he's coming off of a bad week. Not even a bad week, just a week where it doesn't make sense. The Texans moved the ball a lot. They, they looked actually pretty good offensively. Again, and Mills looked great against the Patriots early in that game. And Cook's got nothing, nothing there. But he, you know he's still getting such a big piece of the pie that he will absolutely be back with some, some big games coming soon. I think it's a really good spot for Cooks, too. He's only 5,800. Cooks was on my list. And, um, and then the only other one that I, I wanted to mention who's uh, higher price, but he's someone that you can stack, is Terry McLaren. Um, you know, if you're playing with, with Heineke and you want to stack with, with McLaren, um, you look at Terry, the, the script for him in this game is just incredible. And what I like is he's come, he, he has a hamstring issue, but everything you read says they're just being super cautious. He's absolutely going to play. There, he's, no, he's not going to miss the game. And maybe he's a little bit less percentage owned because people are, are scared off if they see that he's a little bit banged up. Um, in the four games with Heineke and Terry Mack, he has 45 targets in those four games. In the two, he has two of those four games where he has 30 plus DFS points, and the two down games were against two really good defenses. The Bills are the number one defense in DVOA, and the Saints are the number three defense in DVOA. And the other two games when he played weaker defenses, those are the games where he had 30 points when he was, you know, combining with uh, with Heineke. So I think if you're playing Heineke, you get the opportunity to stack with a more uh, expensive wide receiver in one of those spots. So he's definitely someone I'll be throwing in in a, a couple different places. Now, you mentioned stacking. So I'm not a stacker in terms of DFS. Now, I don't really love it. You know, I'll go two or three. Okay. You know, I don't I don't go five. You know, I won't go every position all the way down. Maybe I'd go, uh, like, if I like the passing game, I'll go a wide receiver and a tight end. Okay. You know, sometimes. Or maybe a, ba- a back that can do a little bit of both. But I'm with you. I'm not really as much of, like, a – I don't like four or five from the same team kind of stacks at all. I, I won't go stack all every position all the way through or anything like that usually. Okay. All right. All right. So we're on the same page there. Um. This one hurts me to say, but just because he's tied to Sam Darnold, I kind of like Robbie Anderson this week, man. Um, I just feel that he's going to be matched up against Breland. Breland, and on my cornerback grades, he's really not that high. He's given up a 77 completion rate. I think Darnold should pick on this matchup, but it's with Sam Darnold, though. That's the only um, that's the only thing that worries me a little bit um in terms of these positions we just went over and everything um is there anyone like hey i don't want like hypothetically i in the in the showdown slate on monday night i'm gonna have no aj brown is there anyone like one of those top tier guys at the wide receiver running back quarterback position anyone you just don't want a piece of in your dfs lineups this week 
Yeah, um, I'll probably in the. I'm probably staying away from Kyler because I think he's a little banged up, you know, and he's your second highest priced quarterback at 7,900. So I'm I'm a little bit worried uh, about him. He, you know, he just did not look that great last week, and it, it maybe it was just a poor game, but the reports of him banged up and then the poor game on top of that uh, I don't love so I'll stick away from him at the uh, at that uh, spot and then in the wide receiver spot um, I'll probably play away from you know CD who's, who's dropping down I like him and I like him in a lot of spots but what I was just looking into too is just the the presence of, of Schultz now and he's become I think in, in his, some of his last few games he's like a 29% target share and so that's hurt CD for the he's still a great wide receiver on the field but he's not giving you that wide receiver one kind of production as much as you would have hoped because I have a, a lot of uh, lamb in, in season wide so he's probably someone who I'll, I'll sort of wait a few weeks before jumping into lots of shares of him in DFS because I'm, I'm just a little concerned of uh, you know what his usage is going to be like. I agree with you 100% with Lamb. I talked to my buddy who, I'm not going to say his name, but he works in the NFL. Like You know who he is. And he made an interesting comment to me about Lamb. He said he's lining up a lot more outside with Gallup being out. So he's not playing the slot a little bit anymore. So all the, um, the tight end car- targets are going, sorry, all the slot targets are going to Schultz instead of Lamb. Just because Lamb's on the outside now where Gallup is because he's hurt. I thought it was kind of an interesting comment that kind of makes sense with his lack of production. Um, so in terms of season-long fantasy, would Lamb be a guy you would want to buy on right now? Yeah, you know, he because he, you could probably get him for pretty low right now. You know, um, but I, I don't know. Like, and and he, if, he, if you can get him for someone, you know, at that you know, you really feel like he, I don't think any, you know, he's probably in the serious wide receiver two to like low wide receiver two range. You might be able to just, to really feel like you get, you know, you steal him from someone. I don't think, and what's like you're saying, it's not as if he's dropping the ball or he's looking bad on the field. It's just the Cowboys are playing well and they're doing what they need to do. They're actually, I got to give it up to, uh, uh, to what's Moore over there, right? Yeah. Kellen Moore. Yeah. Who, he's doing a really good job of just taking whatever the defenses are giving him, right? Some games they're letting them run and they're just running all over them. They're not necessarily throwing high power, you know, uh, offense up and down like we may have thought. They're a little bit more well balanced. And so while he's great on the field, I think it's just it's hurting his production a little bit. He's going to have some big games, though, coming down the line. He absolutely will break out. I just, I don't know if it's this week. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing we didn't mention there, maybe just like you said, like with the with Kelsey, with the with the tight ends, if someone's looking for a super cheap tight end or two, um, maybe uh, Seals Jones is also in that Washington game, like we mentioned last week, nine targets, five receptions, 41 yards, and he got nine fantasy points. He's only 3,000. You literally only need about 10 points from him against this Chiefs D. He has a 19-yard touchdown earlier in the year, um, and he's actually been a relevant tight end before. He had 69 targets a couple years ago, 34 receptions. He's had four touchdowns in 2019. Uh, the other one would be Hunter Henry. His fantasy points have gone up in every game this year. 6.1, 6.2, 8.6, 13.2, 19.5. I like that with a player on a new team with a new quarterback and a new offense that's figured him out. He's actually splitting snaps with Jonu, but he's running way more routes. Um, 
Last week, he, him and Jonu both played 40 snaps, but Hunter Henry ran 25 routes, and Jonu Smith only ran 8. Hunter Henry had 8 targets. Jonu Smith only had 2. Hunter Henry has had 5 targets in 3 straight weeks. He's only 3,900. So I agree with you. Like It's always nice to get the stud of, of Kelsey. If you're uh, bargain shopping and looking for some, uh, some cheaper options, there may be a couple for you at the tight end spot. Yeah, I love Henry and Smith. Cowboys giving up 12.9 12. points per game to the fantasy position. Uh, Gino, thank you for coming on. It's kind of nice to have the roles reversed a little bit uh, today. I know. I love it in the hot seat over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have a million and two things going on with Better Than Vegas, um, DRF, uh, st- Stable Duels, your podcast. Why don't you tell everyone what you have going on? Yeah, best place you can uh, follow me is on Twitter, uh, at It's Me, Gino B, and you'll kind of get alerted to everything that I have going. I have uh, the podcast, That's What G Said, that comes out uh, twice a week. Um, usually the, the main episode comes out on late Thursday. Eric's on, uh, on that one. He's been on that episode probably every episode for the last year and a half, either talking about every football game of the weekend or talking about this week in basketball, whatever's happening. So you hear a lot of Eric over there. We do a lot of what we just did here. We go through like the full NFL slate and then I've uh, been doing a lot more live streams over the last few months which are getting a lot of good feedback where we just kind of pop up for a bit well uh, better than Vegas we will preview all the games on Sunday with uh, Eric's on there too I do that on Mondays before the game Thursdays before the game give me a follow it's me Gino B and uh, I'll probably annoy you with a ton of tweets and a ton of content out there Dude, I appreciate you coming on I know you got a million things going on Santa Anita's coming up you're probably cashing some tickets knowing you Best of luck this weekend, and uh, you know you and I will talk Sunday, my man. Happy to help you, buddy, anytime, man. I owe you a bunch of these, so anytime you need. So now it's that time of the week. We're going to dive into some NASCAR, and as always, Brandon at Boston Boy 87 or 83. I always mess that up. 83. <laughs> 83 is joining us to talk a little NASCAR down in Texas. Uh, Brando, how's it going, my man? Still recovering from last weekend, but going pretty good. Now, your boy is Chase Elliott. I have to ask you to dissect what happened between him and Harvick, and has NASCAR sent any warning out about this week? So, even even being a Chase fan, Chase had to know it was coming, number one. But I will say I thought it would be more of a racing incident rather than a full-blown going into a corner, accelerating, and tearing Chase's shit up. So Harvick had to do what he had to do. I get it. I was shocked it was in that time of the race, that position. But um, to watch that nine team take a tore-up race car and drive all the way back to 12th, listening to the in-car radio was interesting, guys. And if you haven't listened to it, YouTube – uh, Instagram, go to NASCAR.com and listen to the radioactive. But um, all the drivers were like, oh, my God, he paid him back, this and that. And Chase said, get the car fixed. When Chase got back on the track, his spotter said, if we wreck him, we're in the playoffs. And Chase said, don't you worry. So when you watch Harvick's replay of him wrecking, Chase was about two car lengths behind him. And just from doing iRacing, not being in a real car, I know Harvick was looking in his mirror, missed his braking point, and slapped the wall and is now out of the playoffs, which is instant karma. Please go, if you're a Chase Elliott fan, go buy your Chase Elliott shirt on his website. 
His interview after the race was classic. He said, I want to wish Harvick and his team a merry off-season and a happy Christmas. NASCAR, Hendrick asked NASCAR to have a meeting because since Harvick is now not in the playoffs, he is very worried that Harvick is going to do whatever he can to make sure Chase doesn't advance to the Final Four. They have had a meeting. I don't know what was said out of it, but um, I do think at this point NASCAR does need to step in Regardless who the drivers are, the way the playoff format set up, drivers can't be intentionally wrecked. I understand payback and stuff like that, but at this point in the season, NASCAR has to step in and say, if you do something intentional, you're suspended or something. You know what I mean? Because it's going to get to a point to where someone's going to make the championship race and somebody that's not even having opportunity is going to wreck them. Exactly. So, they got to do something. You can't, like... It's gone on long enough, and it should be over now. You know, if it's it's just got to stop now. You know, these two can't have a pissing match and put other people in danger. You know what I mean? Like, be adults, move the fuck on. It's over with. You know, grow. Agreed. And what pisses me off with Harvick is the fact that they interviewed him after the race, and he made or after he wrecked, and he made the comment, "It's crazy how life throws lessons at you." Chase did what he did at Bristol. Wrong. Should have never done it. Harvick should have never done what he did at the Roval. They're both even now. Move forward. And I'm hoping that's NASCAR's message. But when Harvick asked, are you guys even? He just smiled and walked away, which tells me he's, he's not. So it'll be interesting to see what happens coming up at Texas. And it could be something for next year. Like, who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Like, yes. Who who the fuck knows? Um. So now let's jump into the present. We got this big race here in texas and i found i found four guys that are tickling my palate so to speak um first guy i'm going to talk about is william byron he's a 19 to 1 on FanDuel. he won the 550 package at homestead last race stage two um the hendrix gambled on this pit strategy at the end of stage two and it kind of cost them but byron was able to recover and Get a fifth place finish last time around here at Texas. I'm really interested in Byron this week. What do you think about Willie B? I agree with him. The 550 package, he's been really good. Um, he is currently not in the playoffs anymore, so he has nothing to lose. And when you guys are making bets moving forward, you got to think there's only eight guys left. So when you do have guys that aren't in, they're just going to be throwing everything at the wall. I mean, they have nothing to lose but trying to get a, trying to get a trophy and uh, secure a ride for next year. So Willie B doesn't have to worry about that. But with the package and his his success, I do like him at 19-1. to Those are great odds. Now, let's move on. Another guy I like is Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch right now is 8-1 to on FanDuel. Four straight top tens all here at Texas. This type of track consistently honest what'd you say average finish at two when we're talking at off there five and mile and a half tracks yeah. and he is the best driver in 10 starts in the 550 package with a 3.7 average finish so i mean there's a lot of like to hear about kyle how do you feel about mr bush i like him yeah. you guys know that i've listened all season i'm not a big fan at low odds but it's not drastically low so i will absolutely have him on my card um I will put. I will be more heavy on him than anybody else. Um, his average finish this season at mile and a half, and with the five fifty package, 
and at nine to one or eight to one, you, you can't steer away from him. So I would absolutely have Kyle on your card this weekend. Now the next guy I like Ryan Blaney, twelve top ten finishes in what was it top twelve finishes in all but one Texas Tart. Five top eights in last in last seven races. He led 145 laps back in the spring. Um, Blaney currently is at 11 to one on FanDuel. Any love for Blaney this week? I'm hit or miss with him. I I, I do like him. The only thing that scares me is average finish at mile and a half this year is 11, but in the 550 package is 9.1. Um, I feel he's going to do whatever he's got to do to make it to that Final Four. Never won a championship. He's got good momentum. His spotter, I know personally, Josh Williams, who has just been on point for him all season. This does seem like that style of race and track that Blaney can be successful at. So I would have him on my card as well. Now, let's talk about the last guy I like. And it's just go with Joey Logano. Um, Logano... You know, he's he all he does is get top tens here. This he's just Mr. Consistent. Um, he's at fourteen to one. Logano to me is like this guy you always how can I always say it? He's just kinda always there. You know what I mean? When push comes to shove, he's just always there. He's always in the mix to win at basically any kind of track they're racing at. How do you feel about Logano? This seems like that type of year to where you don't really talk about the guy, and then you look at the standings, and he's right in the mix. And then when he has to pull off a win or a very strong finish, he does. So going into the final round leading up to the final race, Logano's 11 points below the cut line. He's got to have a successful Texas, or he could be a win away from being able to get in. So I, I do like him. Um, he's not going to personally be on my card, but I wouldn't steer away from him by any means. Because to your point, he's always in it. And have we talked about him over the last three or four weeks? We really haven't. So guess what? It's that time for Logano to show us something because he hasn't been talked about. Now, you always give a dark horse. In terms of dark horses for this week, is there anyone that's kind of sticking out that's wet in your palate a little bit? And if so, why? Well, I'm looking for the mile and a half finishes. I'm looking at. Oh, I had them right here. Hold on. Where? Hold on. What just happened? Uh, here we go. Mile and a half. Average finish 10.3. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on average finish. I'm looking at Austin Dillon at fifty to one. Uh, he's not known to really be good at this track, but once again, it's a guy that's got nothing to lose. He's been good at the mile and a half, not necessarily good at the five fifties, but every week, you guys know that I've been listening. I love throwing a dark horse out there, and at fifty to one, Austin Dillon's going to be my dark horse. Okay. Now, is there anybody you're just kind of like, guys, don't use them at all. Stay away. Don't put them in your in your uh, DraftKings lineup. Just just stay away from this guy. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody to ultimately stay away from. Uh, 
Last week killed me on DraftKings. I was really frustrated. Um, had a lot of good stuff going. I was up about two grand at the end of stage two, and everything just kind of shit the bed. But it is a road course, so that stuff does happen. Um, I'd stay away from anybody in the in the three digit ROIs, um, except Matty D is a hundred to one. So if you're really looking to just have a crazy dark horse that's sitting around, 100 to 1 for a guy that drives a Penske car who's looking for a ride next year, I wouldn't mind dropping a little bit on him. So if I had to add to my Austin Dillon and go one up, it would be Matty D. But other than that, you stay away from everybody below him. Chase Briscoe, Chris Buescher, Custer, Suarez, Jones, Stenhouse, Wallace, Newman, McDowell, Priest, LeJoy. Don't even think about dropping anything on any of those guys to win. Their odds are phenomenal at 250 to 1, 400 to 1, Michael McDowell, who was a playoff driver. But Corey LeJoy, 750 to 1. There's a reason Vegas has them there because they will not have an opportunity to win this race, period. And Texas has lights, guys. So if there is rain, they will run the race at night. Now let's look at some head to heads. Uh, Chase Truex. Chase. Bowman, Kurt Busch. I like Kurt. Cole Custer, Bubba Wallace. Custer. Suarez, Newman. Suarez, Newman can't keep it on the track. Uh, Dylan Reddick, assuming you're going Dylan. Well, here's the thing. If I'm going to put Dylan in my lineup, I'm taking Reddick in head-to-head. Okay. Uh, Chastain, Matty D. Matty D. Logano Blaney. I'm going Blaney. Byron Harvick. Byron. Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Kyle. Brad Kozlowski, Christopher Bell. Kozlowski all day on that one. Group A, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin. Blaney. Group B, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick. Elliott. Group C, William Byron, Kurt Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Alex Bowman. Brad. Group D, Tyler Reddick, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez. Dillon. Group E, Matty D, Almarello, Kurt Buescher, Bubba Wallace. Group F, you want to talk about a a list of bad news bears. Cody Ware, Josh Bilecki, Quinn Hoof, Timmy Hill. Why why, why is this even a a group? (laughs) I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. You want to talk about like a a bad news bears. I... I almost don't even want to give that out to you guys because I don't want I don't think what's going to happen is going to be who is the last one to crash wins that group. Um, I, I mean, th- this is my thing. Cody Ware is plus 150, so he's automatically out, okay? So, I mean, I <laughs> like... So just to let you guys know, at least on Bovada, 
all of these guys in that list are fifteen hundred to one. I mean, like it's just it's all these guys on DraftKings. I'm looking at one right now are all hundred to one. Just mind boggling. Yeah, what you know? What we'll just we'll just we'll just say that one's a pass, my man. We'll we will just say yeah, we'll just say I, that I one's a pass. Even. So, um, so right now, gun to your head, who's winning the championship? Oh man, I got a weird. I I, I just I, I don't want to sound like a front runner, but I don't see how you bet against Kyle Larson. Yeah. Um. Basically, with he's up by like forty four points, and how he doesn't get to the final four that that doesn't happen up by forty four points. That's why personally, I'm not betting on the guy for a week or two, solely because he just has to have a top ten or fifteen in each race, and he's in. Yeah. Um, I will tell you guys this: they're gonna go from Texas. Kansas can be a shit show. Martinsville is where I'm super excited to talk to all of you because when it comes down to that final race and that type of short track racing where a bumper will take somebody out in a heartbeat, I am going to be amped to talk to you guys from Martinsville. But I, I got to go with Larson to win it unless something crazy unless happens. Unless something crazy happens, yeah. Yep, yep, I got you. I mean, am I, do you, you agree? Like, how do you... <laughs> it's hard to bet against it, it, it I, I agree on it it's hard with everything going on it's hard it's hard for him f- to say he's not this man win. had to replace a battery in the middle of the roll and comes back and wins the race yeah I mean, it's just it's just crazy what's going on um Brando I would like to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on and talk a little NASCAR why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and Twitch and everything? Off the post, Boston Sports. Uh, go Sox tonight. Go Bruins in game one tomorrow. Um, for iRacing, BostonBoy83 on Instagram. Twitch, BostonBoy83. I just shot a commercial with the new paint on the truck, which i got to send to you. You haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah. Super excited with some things going on. I was late to get to you because we were doing some testing for Texas. And, uh, yeah, if you guys can give me a follow, all the support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And uh, let's purchase a ticket this week. We've come close for three or four weeks. Our, our, our nice big horse that we had that we were riding on has kind of died down just a tad. I say we, uh, we pick it back up this week at Texas. Sounds good to me, my man. I'm about ready to put my Red Sox bet in right now. I'll dust off my old school Roger Clemens jersey and let's get a W tonight, my man. Yeah, let's <laughs> go Sox. All right, thanks for coming on. We'll talk soon, bud. Thanks. So that's it for today's show, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you give Sterling at Silver Star Sports a follow. Gino, it's me, Gino B, a follow. And Brandon off the post Boston Sports and Boston Boy 83 a follow. Thanks for tuning in. Let's cash some tickets, drink some beers, and make a little cheddar today.